Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 2 at verse 1. Hello, I'm Glendale Tony. I am glad you joined me today. Let's begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians where Paul writes this. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So we begin this episode with uh, these three verses from chapter 2 of the book of Ephesians. And if you've been uh, following along, chapter 1 is basically talking about our position in Christ as a body or as members of his body, and he is our head. And there is much more to get into uh, about that theme and about that uh, general uh, application of those things later on in uh, chapters uh, four through six, uh, and that's the uh, practical side of things. But in the meantime, in chapters one through three, our position in Christ includes our relationship to Christ as his body, and he is our head. And then chapter, uh, chapter 2 has to do with uh, we are a part of the temple that he is building. And this is a spiritual temple, and we are part of that as implements in that temple. And then uh, chapter 3, he begins to talk about the, our position in Christ as a revealed mystery, not in the sense that this is something difficult to figure out or some sort of a whodunit kind of thing, but rather that it is a mystery in the sense that it was not revealed completely in the Old uh, Testament, in the Old Covenant, in the uh, scriptures of, that we call the Old Testament. Um, uh, it was uh, hinted at perhaps, but it was not completely revealed, and that's what uh, chapter 3 is all about. So that gives you an idea of where we're headed uh, in uh, uh, future episodes, but for now, uh, these uh, this these first three verses of chapter two uh, talks about our uh, our position in Christ, and um, uh, verses one through ten. Uh, for a complete context here, has to do with our condition. In other words, our condition has changed because we are in Christ. Then verses 11 through 22 um, completes the chapter, and that uh, primarily talks about our new relation in Christ. That means we are related to him in a new way, and uh, he to us in a new way. So our new condition in Christ includes the before picture, and that's what we just now read, verses 1 through two, one through 3. And then verse 4 begins the after picture, and that is uh, our new condition in Christ and what it's what it is uh, um, uh, what it it it, uh, it comprises of, and that is being alive in Christ in verses four through ten. So we'll get into more of those details as we uh, get through uh, these passages in future episodes. But for right now, uh, notice that chapter two begins with 
this transitional phrase, and you. And uh, so uh, this connects with the um, former passage and the former paragraph and the former chapter uh, when Paul was actually talking about in verse verse 19 of chapter 1. He says, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe? That's what I'm trying to say. And uh, what uh, Paul is trying to say is that uh, that he is praying for them that they could uh, they could see this for the first time that their eyes their spiritual eyes could be enlightened to this new framework of thinking and uh, that framework of thinking has to has to encompass the power of God and uh, and so since he prayed that this uh, the uh, surpassing greatness of his power uh, it would be revealed and uh, so now he wants to take you and take us as his readers uh, to, in order to visualize the power of God at work in our lives. We need to see where we were to begin with. And that uh, that is part of the problem. You see, we we may not understand how much God's work has done for us until we realize how far we were uh, astray from God and what that what that meant. And uh, so the value of where we came from is uh, very, very important in order to understand and uh, evaluate uh, what he has done in order to bring us into him. Um, so then that's, uh, that's what uh, he's getting at here. He says, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Well, first of all, we had no life. That's what he's trying to get at. There was there was no uh, um, uh, power within us to have overcome these things. This was something that God had to do. Uh, why? Because uh, we were dead. That's what that's what dead means. We were separated from God. And by the way, that is a pretty fair uh, definition or synonym, uh, if you want to take it that way, uh, for uh, death in the scriptural sense. It means separation. And of course, we're familiar with physical death. Physical death means that we are separated from our physical bodies. Our soul and our bodies become separate from each other in their existence. And so our body... Uh, uh, dies and that's that's what that means uh, but there's also a spiritual death and that's that's the result of the separation of our spirit or our our inner being uh, and it is separated from God that's a spiritual death what's interesting is to look at uh, God's warning to Adam and Eve all the way back in Genesis chapter 2 verse 17 he said uh, to them, then he said, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day you eat from it, you shall surely die. And that phrasing, phrasing there, surely die, uh, literally, if it were to come out uh, in, uh, in, in translating it uh, uh, word for word, it would be dying, you shall die. It, uh, it has an emphasis there, uh, almost a double reference to the same thing twice over. And so even in the, the way that, is, that warning is worded in, uh, in what God spoke to Adam and Eve, uh, hints at the fact that there is going to be, if they disobeyed him uh, in the garden, there would be a double 
type death. And that double death is, number one, you're going to be separated. Uh, your spirit will be separated from God, from your creator. Second of all, your your spirit, uh, your soul will be separated from your body. Well, the one happened immediately at the judgment, at the fall. We call it the fall with a capital F. And uh, that means Adam and Eve fell from their position with God originally because of their sin, because of their disobedience in the garden. And as a result, they became separated from a holy God because now they were the, they were the, uh, the containers of sin and uh, disobedience and rebellion and, and just plain independence from their creator. And that in itself was a form of um, defying authority. And so, um, so since God gave them that warning, then immediately they were separated from their creator uh, from in, uh, in terms of their spirit. And then later on, of course, uh, if you read through uh, Genesis chapter 5, you'll find out that Adam physically died. And uh, that means that his soul became separated from his body. So the judgment, or what some people would call the curse, uh, from from uh, Genesis uh, uh, chapter two, uh, played itself out over a period of years as far as that final death is concerned. So, so you see, that's what uh, Paul is getting at here. He says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You see, it wasn't like you you just got yourself out of sequence with things in the, in the universe or that you were out of harmony uh, with the universe or the universal mind or that uh, you... Um, uh, you just missed the alignment with the with the aura or life force of the earth. Uh, it was nothing like that. You were dead. You were separated from a holy God, and because of that, you uh, experienced separation from your physical body. And so, uh, uh, in fact, uh, that's borne out in other places in the New Testament. It says, "For the wages of sin is death." That's in uh, Romans chapter six, verse twenty-three, and then. Um, then it says uh, in Colossians chapter 2, 13, it says, you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all our transgressions. So there's two different ideas here in this passage of why we were dead. We were dead in our trespasses and sins. Trespasses means violations or deviations. And um, that's primarily, you might say, a, a Jewish concept. They had the law of Moses, and violating the law of Moses meant that they committed trespasses or they committed transgressions. And then there's the word sins, and that refers to that uh, primarily is, is the idea of missing the mark falling short, somehow missing what is uh, needed to have fellowship with a holy God. And missing that mark means that we fall short of his glory. And that, uh, that by the way, uh, probably is a kind of a Roman concept that uh, is encompassed in the definition of sins. Uh, but uh, regardless, they, these ideas are both incorporated into, uh, into Paul's language by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, trying to describe to us who we were before we found Christ, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. That's where we were. That's where we have been. Um, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
So that's that's the re, uh, that's the reality of who we are as human beings. We are fallen creatures, and uh, that means we need redemption to find our full selves. And uh, otherwise, we are going to continue a pattern of living that's according to the course of this world. Uh, that And notice, uh, every Christian has a past, by the way. Uh, n- notice this whole, uh, this whole uh, 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 paragraph has to do with describing who we used to be, who we were, where we came from. And uh, by being born human, you were also born into this particular set of what you might call spiritual DNA, not just physical DNA. And uh, so that, therefore, that's the way we walked. That's the way we lived. And in fact, that's uh, what we're going to get to here in a moment. Uh, because if you look uh, look ahead to verse 3, formally lived, formally walked. You see there in verse 1, that is uh, verse uh, 2, uh, formally walked and formally lived. There was something about our past that deterred us, that that uh, caused us to be less than, uh, greatly less than anything that God would have designed us to be. That uh, in basically is that death. We were dead men walking, if you want to call it that. We were uh, walking dead in some regards uh, from a spiritual standpoint, according to the course of this world. The world has a course. It has a pattern of its own. And we're going to get into that as we make our way through these three verses in chapter two of the book of Ephesians. We'll be back right after this break. of chapter 2 of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And he's talking about our past. He's characterizing who we used to be. Now, uh, we all grew up perhaps in in different lifestyles or different uh, parentage or or different families or different homes, uh, a a whole variety of things that we we may have been religious or not religious. We may have been... uh, 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 in our behavior, uh, a whole panorama of things. And yet, uh, this is the category by which uh, we were before we came to Christ. And that's what he's getting at. We have to take God's words uh, description of who we were uh, as the truth about who we truly were, and not necessarily our feelings or our our um, our positive attitude about our past, if we have one. Um, so this is we formerly walked according to the course of this world. You see, the world already has a, a dominant uh, purpose or dominant directions or a dominant uh, narrative that the world has that they are following. And um, 
It may not be completely unified, but they do have purposes and philosophies and goals and hopes and impulses and plans and urges and uh, all sorts of things that you could characterize as being the world. And uh, this is the the behavior or the uh, attitudes of human beings without the revealed truth of God and without the redemption that God has provided. So without being redeemed, then all human uh, human existence is characterized by that status, that status of following the course of this world. And notice it says, according to the prince of the power of the air. He says, uh, uh, what's interesting is that uh, um, in John chapter 7, uh, Jesus himself is is talking to his own uh, half-brothers, where he says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of it, that its deeds are evil. Go up to the feast yourselves. I do not go up to this feast because my time has not yet fully come. What's interesting is Jesus's argument there about not going to the feast and his categorization of his own half-brothers as they went to Jerusalem to celebrate this Jewish feast that had been prescribed by the law of Moses. Um, and uh, they were going to, uh, uh, to experience the Feast of Booths, which was uh, in the law of Moses. And it was, it was, uh, uh, that was what was on their mind. And they thought uh, that their, their half-brother Jesus, if, if Jesus was truly the Messiah, this would have been an excellent timing for him to go to Jerusalem with them and announce his messiahship or his messiahood. Huh? I'm not uh, quite uh, sure what the word should be for that, but uh, but uh, that's what they wanted him to do publicly. Well, what's interesting is all those motives, you might say, were came out of a religious heart or a religious um, um, direction, a religious culture. And even in the Jewish religious culture, performing religious behavior and religious practices. What's interesting is Jesus says, the world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify of uh, that the, its deeds are evil. So even these religious people, Jesus says, are a part of the world and his fellow Jewish people practicing their Judaism. Because why? Because their hearts were not yet redeemed. They were just going through the motions, you might say. And uh, that's, that's a very interesting kind of judgment that Jesus makes about his own half-brothers and their own practice of Judaism. And um, so uh, so if that's true about them, it's true about us. And that means that, that uh, regardless of our background, you may have a uh, a very religious background, a very, very devoted church background family. But regardless, if you have not been redeemed by the Redeemer, then your heart is still captured by the course of this world. And uh, the prince and power of the air is the uh, second phrase there. That means there is a ruler in the um, the uh, realm of human existence. That ruler has been given a certain limited freedom. Well, we know him as Satan or the devil or his name Lucifer. We may know him by by uh, many of those uh, kind of things. But Jesus calls him the ruler of this world. Why? Because he seems to be the one who has been allowed to construct this worldly approach to life 
and existence and purpose and urges and uh, and dreams and everything else that uh, that he is dominating that why because Adam and Eve surrendered it to him. When they sinned, when when they rebelled against God's words, when they failed to honor God's uh, God's command, then you see they fell from uh, their position as as designed by the designer, and so now they have been corrupted. And by doing so, they were surrendering themselves and surrendering this realm of human existence over to the supernatural power of what is called the the ruler of this world. That's what Jesus calls him in John chapter 12, verse 31. It's what he calls him... uh, in uh, John chapter 4, 14, I'm sorry, uh, verse 30, he says, uh, I will not speak much more with you for the ruler of this of the world is coming and he has nothing in me. In uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. See, and so... So that is what we're up against, you might say. That is where we came from. That was our original identity. We were following not only a pattern from the world, we were following this pattern because someone else is in control of that pattern, and that is uh, the devil. That's the fallen angel uh, from uh, from heaven. And so it says, uh, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. So they have their own spirituality, and uh, that's what uh, he is getting at here. First uh, Timothy chapter four verse one. But the Spirit, and he's speaking of the Holy Spirit there. Uh, in First Timothy chapter four verse one, explicitly says that in later times uh, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. And Second uh, Corinthians chapter eleven verses. 13 through 15, he says, For such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So there is this constant deception that, uh, that somehow uh, has, uh, has conquered uh, the human heart and the human existence, and it is characterized as being the sons of disobedience. That is exactly who we used to be, uh, regardless of how religious we we were or how much uh, church we attended when we were little kids. We have to trust that that this word and these words describe, spiritually speaking, who we were. And we might have seen those things come about had not God uh, captured our hearts with the gospel. But uh, that's not necessarily at stake right now in these verses, but we will get to that in uh, in just uh, uh, another couple of episodes. It says, among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. So we were captivated by these desires, by these urges, by these by these things that uh, that uh, we thought were were uh, going to give us pleasure, were going to give us purpose. They were going to give us a certain uh, uh, fulfillment, and um, and yet uh, they did not, and they do not. And so, uh, but we still followed them. It says. 
You see, what's interesting is that God had a plan from the very beginning, even with Adam and Eve. He revealed that plan to them because why? It says in Genesis uh, chapter 3, verse 21, after the fall of Adam and Eve in the garden, then the Lord made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. So you see, an innocent party had to lose its blood, had to lose its skin, had to die as their substitute for them to find a covering so that their sins could be covered and they could approach a holy God once again. Their own fig leaves and their own little uh, things uh, weren't enough. They, They did not do the job. And so God laid out you need a redeemer. That redeemer has to be an innocent life, shedding its blood for you. And that was from the very start. That's the reason why Cain was judged, is because he didn't get the picture. He tried to draw a different picture. He was still not an atheist. He wasn't an agnostic. In fact, he was a worshiper. He was a worshiper of God, but he worshiped God through his own devices, and that was the device of his own plants. And, uh, and uh, the fruit of the ground, it says, that was his offering. And he didn't get the concept that, uh, that some, something, an, an innocent party, had to take his sins and die and pay the penalty for that sin. So it says uh, they were sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lusts of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. That's who we were following. That's, that's our, that was our pattern of life. And yet, uh, and by doing so, we were following after uh, the very pattern and the very course of this world, the very, uh, the very uh, prince and power of the air, the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience by following these lusts and these urges. And, uh, and, and notice that this isn't just the desires of the flesh, but also of the mind. This isn't just a, a moral or a sexual thing. This has to do with an intellectual thing as well. And so it says, uh, uh, and we're by nature children of wrath even as the rest. So these, these lusts, you might say, could be considered uh, to be natural uh, desires, but they've been captured by the, uh, by the unnatural. They've been captured by Satan himself. They've been captured by sin and corrupted by sin, but corrupted by our independence, by our rebellion. And so these natural cravings, say, for instance, like uh, a, a desire for food or a desire for fulfillment or desire for any number of other things, those desires have now been captured by a corruption, and uh, that corruption has caused us to uh, to explode with, with all sorts of unnatural desires and unnatural cravings that do not lead to following Christ or following God. And, uh, and in fact, uh, 2 Peter says, knowing this, first of all, that in the last days, mockers will come with their mocking, following after their own lusts. And that verbiage there means that people will allow their cravings to 
to take the lead. That's the wording there. Uh, uh, those cravings take the lead. Why are we in a position that which we are, in which uh, that now, that suddenly what we desire is, is now our, our new identity, and our desires uh, become, uh, become who we are. Our desires and our cravings uh, become uh, uh, what we follow after, when really uh, those things are our detriment. Those things bring us down. Those, bring, those are the very things that bring us judgment. Uh, Jeremiah says, the heart is more deceitful than any than all else and is desperately sick. Who can understand it? We shouldn't follow our heart. We should follow the truth, the revealed word of God, because otherwise we will find ourselves trapped by, uh, by the world's things, trapped by the course of this world, trapped by the, uh, the by the, uh, 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 prince and power of the air, trapped by the devices of our own uh, concoction, and uh, uh, they will lead to nowhere. In fact, they will lead to death. They will lead to judgment. And so, um, uh, Paul basically uh, noticed that he changes his pronoun from the you in verse one to the we in verse verse 3. That means he includes himself as an ex-Pharisee. He includes himself as one who uh, followed after these things before he met Christ and were uh, uh, children of wrath even as the rest. We deserved God's judgment, but Jesus took our judgment. That is the gospel. He was our substitute so that we could stand before a holy God covered by his death on our behalf and our penalty for our sin is paid for. Thank you, Father, for the words today. Thank you, Father, for these revealed truths about who we were and what you did to accomplish our redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Tony. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.